Good morning and welcome to worship here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church on this beautiful Easter Sunday. It's great to have all of you with us who are listening at home. Once again, our sanctuary only has three of us, but we are glad that you are joining us in the comfort and safety of your home as we worship this Easter Sunday. If you are listening to this early in the morning before 10 o'clock, I just want to let you know of various opportunities that exist for you on this Easter Sunday. At 10 a.m., we will have our Zoom Sunday School, so you're all welcome to join us. I mean, not all, but the kids and their families are welcome to join us. I know Molly has sent out information on how to get online for that, so please join us for Sunday School at 10 o'clock. And then at 12.30 today, we are going to have an hour where we pass the peace and get together as a whole congregation. Everyone is invited to click on to Zoom. We've sent out information about that, so we hope that you will join us at 12.30 this morning. And then at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, if you are part of our youth or if you're friends of our youth, if you'd like to get together on this Easter Sunday, we would love to have you. Today we celebrate Easter Sunday as the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we pray that through this worship you will be touched by the grace of God. So now, let us prepare ourselves for worship. in our call to worship. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. The Lord is risen. Alleluia. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Please keep standing and join in singing our opening hymn, Christ the Lord is risen today.
And let us continue with our Easter morning prayer. Please join together. God Almighty, let the sounds of our hymns this morning echo the wonder of the women who saw the empty tomb. In the mystery of this Resurrection Sunday, let the voice of your church share the good news of new life into a bewildered world. After the celebration of this day, let our memory of your life and love kindle in us a daily passion to be your good news. Let us take on the confidence of your saints in every age who face the challenges of the day with faith, hope, and love. In the name of the risen Christ, we pray. Amen. Please take a moment of silent prayer. Friends, on this Easter Sunday, hear the good news of the gospel. When Jesus came to his own after his resurrection, the words of his mouth were clear. Do not be afraid. Friends, we need to hear those words today as we face the challenges of our day. Do not be afraid. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about fear. It is about bracing the future that God opens, us, opens for each one of us and offers that forgiveness, that mercy, and that grace to walk into the future with hope and faith. Friends, believe and trust in the gospel that you are saved by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. May the peace of Christ be with each one of you and also with you. Let us take a moment to offer that peace to those beside you in your home and also in your mind, to those who sit in your pews, to those you see in the choir. Let us offer that peace now. Sharon, peace be with you. Nancy, peace be with you. first reading today comes from Paul's letter to the Colossians in chapter 1. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Listen for God's word to you. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word. Thank you.
people say. Amen. I just want to take Our second reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 28. In the New Revised Standard Version, I invite you to listen. Listen for God's word to you. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly, with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And, he came, and they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them again, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I don't know about all of you, but I know that during these past few weeks, my life has changed. I've always been a person who reads, and I've always been a person who watches lots of sports. You've known that because you've listened to my sermons, but I have no sports to watch anymore, so now I read a lot more, and I play games with my family, and I walk more than normal, but reading is something that has substituted for the sports, and I must say there is lots and lots and lots of fantastic material out there to read. One of the things that I would encourage you to read, it's a book that recently just came out, is called why Don't Fish Exist? Why Don't Fish Exist? Yes, the title's kind of bizarre, but that's to catch your attention. But I encourage you to read it because it's a story about love and loss and recreating life in moments like these. But this is more of a memoir and also a history in this world. Part of this story talks about a man named David Jordan. David Jordan was a taxonomist. And David Jordan had a life's mission. He was going to both discover and create a taxonomy of fish all around the world at the end of the 19th century going into the 20th century. And before his life ended, David Jordan was responsible for categorizing more than 20% of all the known fish around the world with real specimens, specimens that he took and he stored in jars on his shelves all around his house. 
And so by 1905, he had over a thousand small jars and large jars stored on shelves in every square inch of his house, and he had categorized each one of those. And he had a beautiful file. Some of you may have files like this with every single fish, what it was all about, where it came from, and it was all numbered nicely on the shelves. One, two, three, all the way up to more than a thousand. It was a life's endeavor. And he was known around the world as one of the greatest taxonomists. And then, and then, the San Francisco earthquake. And the fires that came with it. And with that San Francisco earthquake, with that great shaking, all of the shelves, all of the walls came tumbling down, and every fish that he had categorized in these jars came flying down onto the ground and broke into small little pieces with the fish floating all over in the water and the various liquids that he had. And so by the time he could return to the place where he worked and where he stored everything, it was completely destroyed. There was no way except from his memory that he could possibly put things back together because every piece of glass and every fish was all over the place. The great earthquake had caused chaos. And chaos comes in unpredictable ways that none of us can even imagine until it's already upon us. And in David Jordan's life, a taxonomist who was categorizing fish it was a complete mess, and a life's work was nothing more than dead fish on a floor with lots of small bits of glass. Chaos is something that most of us do our darndest to avoid. We do what we can to create order out of our lives, whether that order is a daily schedule of work, or whether that order is something in our mind where we think that life begins in one point, we go to school, we start doing things, we attend classes in some place with a real teacher, we have this sense of order that we go to work, that we may leave our homes and all the things that come with that, that we may go outside freely and intermingle with people in a normal way, that we can go up to somebody that we are friends with and when we see them after a very long time, we can give them a hug. And then chaos. Chaos arrives, and all you can do with a long-lost friend is stand six feet away and create a six-foot air hug. It's too dangerous. It's too risky to walk up to somebody who is your stranger friend and just give them a nice, old, big embrace because when chaos comes it turns over everything and we have to deal with it. it's not just us now it's us as human beings throughout history David Jordan is just one story of that type of chaos and that type of chaos comes in the disciples time as well 
You see, there's a chaos of the creative moment as well when Jesus comes along early in his life and he starts calling people like Peter's and the James and all the other disciples and the Marys out there and says, come, follow me. And here is people living their lives, fishing, trying to support their families, and Jesus is giving them a new way of life and asks them to leave what they know and come follow him. And they do, but it creates a certain amount of chaos. Every change creates a certain amount of chaos. But they begin to follow Jesus, and people see Jesus, and people understand that he is different, and the crowds like him, and the crowds come to him for the healing, for the message, for what he's talking about in terms of grace and the abundance of love that God offers and the people who are the leaders of the day don't like it. And they eventually figure out a way that we just remembered on Good Friday to get rid of him. And the chaos of death, many of us have experienced that level of chaos in our own lives. We've lost loved ones. We've lost some of our family members before their time, way too young. We have lost spouses. We have lost all kinds of people in our lifetime and there is a certain amount of chaos that comes with death and that chaos is seen in the story of Good Friday. That chaos when those following Jesus realize he's going to die and most of them leave and they leave early and they are afraid. But some of them stick around like the Peters and others and they are recognized as friends of Jesus and people come to them and they ask them point blank, are you really his friend? Don't you know him? And they deny it. And so the chaos of betrayal and leaving the ones we love and not standing up and not having Jesus' back becomes a new type of chaos to live with in the life of Peter, who eventually, well, eventually things change. And things change especially when resurrection comes into the scene and Jesus realizes that when he comes on the scene in new life, in a new body, in a new way. It's not simply excitement and joy and fantastic moments. It's a moment to clearly say to the disciples, this new reality of my body and my life is so different. The first thing I want to say to you is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You see, the chaos of resurrection is a different type of chaos. Jesus being alive offers us a type of grace that is not normal. Jesus offers a type of mercy that is not normal. Jesus offers a level of forgiveness that is way more than the normal forgiveness. This is a type of forgiveness that is unconditional, that cannot be broken, and the mountains may move and the oceans may swell and the chaos may come but the love that is known in Jesus Christ and his resurrection is a type of new order out of the chaos of the old. And that new order brings a chaos into our lives. And that chaos is, are we, are we going to trust that this new order shall bring us through? Not only does Jesus say, do not be afraid, Jesus also says to people, 
go. Don't stay here, go. Get on with your lives. Go to Galilee. Go back with the disciples. I'll meet you there. When you go ahead, when you forge ahead in life, even in the chaos of the moment, even with the levels of fear and joy that the resurrection brings, which oftentimes that is life. We are both afraid and we are excited at the same time. So in our fear and in our joy, Jesus invites us to step ahead, to keep moving where Jesus will meet us down at the next place, down in the next time, down in the next moment, down in that place where we think chaos is reigning. You know, in my readings for the last few weeks, I've come across some fascinating stories. And one of those stories is about a young man who just last year, about this time, graduated from high school, and eventually he saw his life as going off to college, but he wasn't ready. And his parents told him that if he was going to stay at home, he had to get a job, so he did. He just went to his local large grocery store, and he got a job, and he started working. And he's at this grocery store. He's been there for a year, and he works in the produce department, and he's been doing fine. He's a good worker. He's had good compliments from his supervisors. He makes minimum wage. Nothing to shout home about, but it's enough. And he's saving a little bit for college. And, you know, he had plans. He was going to go to college come this year. But then, then everything changed. Everything started to change in March for him. And he wasn't really sure what was going on at first. You hear all these things about... COVID-19 and you're not really sure what you're supposed to do, but at work he was told to wash his hands and wash his hands and wash his hands. And then little by little, all of a sudden, the grocery stores where he, were, was, where he was working were being filled with panic buyers. And so he was working double time and triple time to kind of keep things in the produce area. And then he started noticing that people were trying to stay away from him. I mean, he wasn't somebody who read a lot in the newspapers and kept up with what was going on in the world. He heard things, he came into work, and he heard he should stay away from people a little bit, wash his hands some more, try to figure out. And finally, he started reading about this whole COVID-19 thing and about how well restaurants were closing concerts were canceled schools were shut down people were told to stay home and he was afraid he was afraid and then he started hearing that being a grocery store worker was almost being a hero to go to work every day and then the worst happened one of his co-workers, an older gentleman who was still working at that particular grocery store, wasn't there. And all he heard was is that he came down with symptoms of COVID-19 and he was in the hospital and nobody knew exactly because they weren't close friends. He just knew of him working in this large grocery store. But people were talking about praying for this man who had the symptoms of COVID-19 and the chaos was creating a whole new situation in his grocery store and he was afraid. And he kept asking himself, should I go to work? I mean, this is a minimum wage job. Why? Why should I risk my own life? And he did what he had done in the past when he had big questions. He talked with his parents, but 
Eventually, he talked with his grandfather. And in that conversation with his grandfather, he learned some new things about his grandfather. He knew that his grandfather had fought in World War II, but his grandfather was just a private in the army. I mean, he didn't have some high generalship or lieutenantship. He wasn't a soldier officer. He was just a soldier. And he fought in Europe. But when he signed up, he signed up because he wanted to help his country like his friends. And when he signed up, he didn't get paid hardly anything. It was, well, it was about minimum wage and a lot of rations and a lot of cigarettes in the rations. And he fought. And a lot of his friends and the buddies that he went to war with never returned. So when this guy called his grandfather and they started talking about the time when his grandfather left to go off to World War II, he realized the parallels. The parallels that sometimes minimum wage people are asked to give in ways that are not proportionate to being paid minimum wage. They are asked to give and to risk things that they may not have risked before. And so after his conversation, with his grandfather, he realized that going to work was more than just going to work and saving money for an eventual day in college. Going to work was helping his community. Going to work was serving something greater than himself. Going to work and taking the risk of being in a grocery store where many people don't follow the rules of distance and are coming into that place from all points around the community. Going to work is new. And for this young man, it became his mission, his purpose to serve in a greater way. For some of us, this moment may not seem that big. The chaos of COVID-19 may have kept us at home. If we are retired, it may be that we are distanced from our family and grandparents, but we may have enough to get through. We may be gardening a lot. We're outside in our backyard and there's beautiful weather. We have access to the internet. We have access to television. We have access to all kinds of resources that keep us somewhat entertained. And even though we can't get together in our social gatherings, and even though we can't travel to Hawaii or wherever we were planning, this moment may not seem that big to us. But to many, this moment is a moment where chaos seems to be reigning and we need to figure out how this moment has purpose, has meaning, and has the possibility of taking the chaos and bringing order out of it. In that moment, in that time where we are trying to figure that out in terms of how shall I be a teacher on the internet, how shall I be somebody who simply picks up the garbage in a new way? How shall I be a police officer on a pristine island like Bainbridge Island? You've probably heard that the first casualty on this island from COVID-19 is a 49-year-old 
police officer whose name escapes me at this moment, who for years worked in a grocery store and then went to school and became a police officer and has been serving well on this island and died of those symptoms in Harrison Hospital this past week. He was a police officer just going to work, and in the work that he did, he came in the public sphere and came in contact with this disease, and he is no longer with us. And we pray for his spouse, his family, and the kids he's left behind. This moment is our defining moment in the chaos. How shall we respond? You know, William Barber, or Reverend William Barber, who has been a leader of the Christian church for many, many years in dealing with poverty, has asked this question. He said, will the great suffering of this moment by so many millions around the world, will this great suffering lead to new and a better order and redemption in our communities, or will it just lead to another moment? You see, the resurrection is a moment where God takes the suffering, the great suffering of his son Jesus Christ, and through the power and love of the resurrection, creates a redemption that goes around the globe greater than a virus. And this redemption has been offered to people in every place and in every way for the last more than 2,000 years. This great suffering that Jesus experienced on the cross becomes a moment of global, universal human redemption for all of us. And so the question that we need to face in this moment is will this great suffering, where now more than 100,000 people around the world have died, more than 2,000 people died just yesterday in the United States, and we have now more than 20,000 people who have passed away just in the last month from this particular disease. The question will be, will this great suffering lead our families, our communities, our nation, and our globe to a greater God-driven order or not? You play a part in that. You are the people who go to grocery stores. You are the people in your homes who have the opportunity to now ask yourselves, how, in my home, isolated from others, with maybe just a spouse, how can I figure out to create real community in a new way? That is a challenge. And our church is doing that through things like Sunday schools and youth groups on the internet. Our church is trying, whether we're doing a great job or not, who knows in the future. But each of us has an opportunity to be more creative than we've ever been before. People are offering lessons through the internet. People are offering counseling through the internet. People are offering all kinds of things to reestablish a new order in the community that did not exist before this moment or only existed in very small ways. Holy Week, in so many ways, 
is about experiencing the loss and the suffering that chaos brings and also experience deep down in your soul the kind of redemption, the kind of new order that resurrection brings into our lives. And as we respond to that new order, will the great suffering of Jesus and the great suffering of others lead each of us to a moment where we contribute to God's grace and God's redemption in this time. Amen. And now please stand and join us in singing in Christ alone.
You may be seated and let us pray. Wonderful are you, God, that even though we are not gathered in our sanctuary, you have gathered us safely in our homes with family to celebrate another Easter. We praise you. For the making of your Christ more powerful than evil and death, we praise you. For Christ meeting with the women who had come to mourn at his tomb, we praise you. For the promise that Christ goes on ahead of us, ready to meet us down the road in our lives, we praise you. For the declaration that because he lives, we shall live also, we praise you. Almighty God, this Easter we ask for resilience that can only come from you. May you plant within us a resilience that knows that your grace is stronger than evil, that your mercy is larger than suffering, that your joy is greater than grief, and that your love is mightier than death. O Lord, it was for all people that Christ died and rose from the grave. So let us pray for those in peril and in need today. Most loving God, we bring to you our concern and compassion for those whose lives are subject to sorrow and disease today. For those who over this Easter face an untimely sudden death, we pray, such as victims of COVID-19, and for all those who put their health and life at risk to protect others, living Christ, comfort, and redeem your people. For those who over this Easter face, excuse me, for those who are enduring a lingering death from cancer or other illnesses, from kidney or heart disease, and because of inadequate hospital care or inadequate medical supplies, living Christ, comfort, and redeem your people. For those who care for the dying and the bereaved, for family, friends, nurses, and doctors, and funeral directors, especially funeral directors who are overwhelmed at this time, living Christ, comfort and redeem your people. For those who are confronted by blatant evil, we pray that peacemakers and arbitrators, that UN and World Health Organization workers, that peacekeepers and aid agencies and people working in prisons, living Christ, comfort and redeem your people. For those who fight suffering, handicap, and disease, we pray for hospitals and research facilities, for ambulance staff, for flying doctors, for physiotherapists, for community nurses, and for kindly neighbors, for all those who are reaching out to help living Christ, comfort, and redeem your people. Great living Lord of love and joy, be also with each of us gathered in our homes for this Easter service. You, Lord, know our needs better than we do. You have answers for our lives that many times do not even occur to us. Bless us, we pray, so that we may contribute to the growth of love and goodness in these days. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. And now let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now I invite you to offer your lives and your resources to God. Even though you cannot give them in the plates here, we encourage you to continue giving through online giving and through mailing in your checks to support the ministries of this church. Oh 
Gracious God, we thank you for the lives that you give us today. And we ask that your resurrection love, that your resurrection grace, and that your resurrection peace descend into the lives of each one of us. And let us realize that our lives are not our own, but they are yours, and that you give us these lives to serve for the greater love, for the greater good, for the greater care of your community. Lord, use us this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now, if you'd like to stand or continue standing and join us in singing that classic Easter Hallelujah Chorus, we'd love to sing it with you. 